You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This episode of the Sport Horse Podcast is brought to you by Hilltop Bio. Hilltop Bio is committed to developing innovative therapies and improving the lives of horses. Based on the latest scientific advancements, they've created cutting-edge regenerative therapies that are custom-engineered and optimized for specific indications. They're also recommended by top veterinarians like the U.S. show jumping team vet Heather Sherman. They're produced under the strictest manufacturing standards and are show safe to use. If you're familiar with stem cells, PRP, and IRAP for your horse, Hilltop Bio is producing the next generation of regenerative therapies to get your horse on the fast track to healing. Visit HilltopBio.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Warden, and uh, we have a really exciting episode. I'm I'm really glad to be able to share this with uh, with you all today. So I was sent uh, a journal article a couple of weeks ago now from a friend about uh, this new device, this EQ Press, and um, really, really fascinating technology that's being developed at uh, NC State. Uh, basically, it helps with uh, lymph flow, with lymphedema in horses, and some really promising findings uh in the lab so uh on the scientific side it's starting to be used uh in the field as well and and people seem really happy with it so it's really exciting technology and we're really really excited to uh to cover it today i think you're really going to enjoy learning about it uh it's something really novel that hasn't been done before we'll include some links in the show notes to uh for you to go and check it out but it can be found at vetletics dot uh, com and uh, yeah, I'll hand it over to Lauren. Thanks, Tim. Uh, yeah, so our guest today is Dr. Lauren Schnabel. Um, Lauren is has been a wonderful supporter of the Equine High Performance Sports Group since its inception, um, giving presentations at um, the Regenerative Medicine Summit, uh, being involved with our Equine Clinicians Registry. So uh, it was really fun to have her on today to discuss some of her work and and learn about the really cool things that she's got going on. Um, Lauren is a professor of equine orthopedic surgery in the Department of Clinical Sciences at NC State College of Veterinary Medicine. She completed her DVM, large animal surgery residency, and PhD at Cornell University under the mentorship of Dr. Lisa Fortier and Dr. Doug- Douglas Ansack. She's a board certif- she is board certified in both the American College of Veterinary Surgery and the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation. Lauren's research focuses on stem cell immunology, use of biologic therapies to treat musculoskeletal injuries and diseases, and advancing equine rehabilitation protocols. Hi, Lauren, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Awesome. So I'm going to jump right in and uh, I want to ask you, you co-authored a nice study recently that was published in the American Journal of Veterinary Research, examining lymphatic drainage in the equine forelimb. And we'll definitely provide a link to that article in the show notes for our listeners. But just briefly, you examine the ability of a device to help horses that have limb lymphedema. Can you describe how the device itself works? Yes, Absolutely. Um, So this is a device that we created here at NC State um, with uh, our startup company called Vetletics. So I'm a co-founder of that company, along with Dr. Irina Perdue, who's a graduate of NC State um, and now veterinarian, and Dr. Matthew Breen. Um, And this was really uh, out of seeing all the dynamic compression devices that are available for people, um, both for athletic recovery and also for the treatment of medical conditions such as lymphedema. 
Um, and Irina had worked with some NBA basketball players and Team USA basketball players and seen the human devices and wondered why does this not exist for horses, um, especially when we're really lacking in treatments uh, for lymphedema in particular or lymphangitis. Uh, so she had come to me as a vet student inquiring about how to make this uh, such a device for horses. And I was uh, really intrigued by it and, and jumped on board and I'm, I'm very grateful to have had that opportunity. Um, so just some brief background there. And then actually our the manufacturer of this device called the EQ Press is actually the world's leading man manufacturer for the human devices. So a lot of the technology um, belongs to, to them, which is Mego Affect. Uh, so we're very fortunate in that regard. So um, the key to these dynamic compression devices is that it's directional compression. So starting, so we design these garments as they're called. Uh, uh, some people call them the horse pants, which is also, which is more catchy than garments. Um, <laughs> but the gist is that they go from all the way from the hoof uh, up to the elbow for the forelimb, of course, or all the way up through the stifle and the hind limb, which was very hard to get those angles of the leg uh, correct. But there's chambers in each of the garments and they fill with air. Uh, so there's two pumps attached to the saddle pad that the horse wears. So it's self-contained on the horse. But those battery powered pumps provide air to the garments and the chambers fill uh, from the bottom, from the foot all the way up in waves. Um, that technology from the manufacturer, there's sensors in each uh, chamber. So the next one won't start until a certain pressure is re uh, reached, etc. So the the Pressure waves go up the limb to push fluid out of the limb, and there's no backflow of fluid. Um, and then it does these cycles. So it's quite different um, from any existing uh, technology that's available for horses, very different, actually. So most of the compression uh, garments that currently exist for horses before the EQ Press were either um, they're mostly static and just provide compression all the way around the limb, uh, kind of in one go, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And we'll maybe dive into like the study itself now. So yeah. can you explain like the experiment that you performed on the horses to assess the EQ press? And then um, there's one technique in there that our, familiar, our listeners probably won't be familiar with, and that's lymphocentigraphy. And uh, yeah, I'd be curious, and I think our, everyone would be curious to learn a little bit more about that technique as well. Yeah, for sure. No, and um, lymphocentigraphy is some is rarely performed clinically. So this was new, uh, new for me as well. Uh, so I will definitely explain that. So just starting off our goal, um, there is excellent evidence in the human literature on the effect that these devices have on lymphedema, both in healthy people and in patients that are suffering from lymphedema. And they do these scintigraphy studies. But we, of course, and, and me as a scientist, uh, uh, you know, I was like, well, we have to prove that it actually works for horses. We can't just assume based on the human garments, right? So, uh, or by the human literature. So that's how we set out to design this study. So we um, had to use my herd of research horses here. Uh, they're mostly thoroughbreds. There are uh, donors for orthobiologics and bone marrow, and they they live in the pastures uh, just behind my office. Here I am in the hospital. So I just wanted to point out that these are not horses that are used to like, you know, they're not ridden and they're not used to wearing a lot of stuff. And they did amazing with the, the EQ press. So I, I was really happy about that. And that's been our general experience that most horses really love being in the device. Um, but so for the study design, um, the horses went underwent lymphocentigraphy either with or without the EQ press on their forelimbs. It was a crossover design, meaning 
they either, you know, and randomized that they either were, didn't have uh, the EQ press on, and then two weeks later, they had the EQ press or vice versa. But what lymphocentigraphy means um, is that we're using a, a tracer um, to track lymphatic flow. And it's similar to probably listeners will be familiar with bone scan or nuclear scintigraphy that looks for areas of active bone turnover or inflammation in the bone. And we use technetium for that. Um, and this is technetium, but bound to a different, we can call it a tracker or a tracer. So this is technetium sulfur colloid. And um, it only goes through the lymph nodes. So unlike regular when we do bone scans and that's excreted in urine or feces, this just goes through the lymph nodes and the horses uh, clear really quickly, which is nice for uh, convenience. So we inject this tracer just sub-Q above the coronary band. Um, and then you watch it move up the leg. And it should, what you want to see is that it reaches the lymph node at the top of the leg, which is in the forelimb, we were looking at the cubital lymph node. So it's very easy to, to um, quantify this study, essentially. So uh, you take images with the, the uh, same nuclear scintigraphy cameras we use for bone scans at different time points, and you see where that tracer has gone up the leg and how fast, and then ultimately, can it reach that lymph node at the top of the leg? So that was really pretty straightforward. Um, and the horses are sedated because they have to stand perfectly still for bone scan, just like they do for bone scan. So for the, for the scintigraphy, um, not because of anything with the device. Um, so what we found, which was super exciting is that horses wearing the EQ press or when the horses wore the EQ press, cause it was a crossover design, they had significantly increased lymphatic flow. And these are all normal horses, um, as a starting point, but horses with the EQ press on, um, they reached, so we had two landmarks. Uh, one was the accessory carpal bone, so just by the carpus or the knee, and then um, the cubital lymph node up by the elbow. And they reached the accessory carpal bone faster when wearing the EQ press, the lymphatic flow did. And they also got, the flow got to the lymph node uh, significantly faster. And actually most of the control horses not wearing the device, they never had uh, uptake in the lymph node at all. Um, so that was really exciting. Obviously, we're uh, going to move on to examine horses that have uh, lymphatic drainage issues or um, lymphangitis. And that's what we've been using the device for clinically with uh, really good success. But this was was a starting point uh, for this study as proof of concept. Awesome. And just out of curiosity, can you give us a sense of like, with that uh, I, I guess maybe pressure gradient with uh, like the different yeah. pressures at the different points? like. When it's, I guess, fully con constricted to like help pump the, uh, mm -hmm. like uh, to uh, support lymph drainage, um, like how stern would or like how strong would that be? Is it sort of like a, like a firm handshake in terms of the pressure, or like like how much pressure would that feel like for the horse? Yeah, great question. Um, so for this study, we set the pumps at eighty uh, millimeters of mercury as the pressure, um, and there it does go up. Or so we set it at sixty. It go, you can go up to eighty. Um, and usually when you're acclimating horses, you might start them at a lower pressure and move up, but they actually seem to really like the way it feels. So I think it has, it seems to have a calming effect or um, even in horses with large cellulitic or sorry, lymphangitis uh, type legs, although sometimes it's cellulitis as well. Um, it seems to have some sort of analgesic effect or something that feels good to them. But I think a firm handshake is it, I mean, it's sort of a squeeze. So 
when the garments are deflated, like you can't, you know, you can stick, I could stick my arm down between the horse's leg and the garment. Um, when they're fully inflated, I mean, it's tight against their leg. So sort of just squeezing the leg. Um, and uh, I've put the human uh, dynamic compression devices on myself. And that's, I mean, it does get fairly tight at that pressure, um, but in a good way, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that's one thing that you know, I'm not not gonna not gonna lie. When we were first designing this, I was like, "Oh my god, are the horses gonna be okay with this?" I mean, just when you look at it, and um, you know, but started to get it on horses and have been consistently impressed by how um, much they enjoy being in the device or how relaxed they get. A lot of them will fall asleep or they'll start yawning, licking, chewing, um, things like that. So that's been great to see. And again. With the research horses, I was especially like, who is this? You know, they're not used, they don't even wear bandit, you know, they're not used to having anything on them. That's really, really fascinating and promising and and honestly exciting. Um, I I'm curious, every horse is obviously an individual and and they're all gonna respond a little bit differently. Um, but have there been any contraindications for using this device um that listeners should be aware of in in sort of thinking about it and and its future? Yeah, thank you. So I think the one thing I just briefly mentioned cellulitis there, but cellulitis, um, and its true definition, if we think of it as an infection of the subcute space or involving an infect, you know, a component of an infection. And that just based on the human literature, you would want to wait until the infection was at least somewhat under control, meaning the horses are on antibiotics systemically. Um, or perhaps regionally as well, um, because with the compression, there's a chance if they didn't have antibiotic coverage, there's a chance you could potentially spread the infection out of the leg. Um, and that's, you know, the same as they they consider in people. So with an acute infection or an infection not being treated, I would, I would wait to use the device until they're on um, antibiotics. Um, and then other than that, I don't, you know, open wounds are... Um, Okay, that it is nice that you can unplug parts of the chambers if you need to to avoid compression directly over a wound. There's options to do that, um, but other than that, I you know not we. Ha- I mean, we're still we're still learning for sure, sure. Um, on clinical cases. But the only co- major contraindication we have now is is that the the infection component. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and uh, like I guess this is outside of the scope of that study, but. Does it have an impact at all on like blood flow? Um, so, uh, yeah. So it looks like you maybe have an answer for that already. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, just, I'm excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, because I'm like just from like I guess the more the sport and like the performance side. Like I, I yeah, I'm just I'll throw it over to you. Like curious to hear your thoughts about uh, how it may have a a role there. Yeah. No. Thank you. I mean, we're really fascinated about that. So. A couple of things, I guess I'll say there, you know, so the for especially for athletic recovery, the goal is to clear, you know, toxic waste and metabolites out of the legs faster. Um, but we've gotten really interested in perfusion as well. So uh, it certainly is having so the the horses, they do definitely have to pee after they are treat, they undergo a treatment. So there's clearly a systemic effect to that. Um, and you'll see that a lot of if they start getting antsy at the end, especially of a 60 minute treatment, it's usually because they really have to pee. Um, and that's what they do as soon as you put them back in the stall. Um, and then with the lymphangitis horses, one of the 
things we've noticed clinically is how much hoof growth they've had. Um, now you're improving overall circulation to the leg. So I think that makes sense. Um, but their farriers have been commenting on how much better their feet are growing. So we are super interested to see what we're doing to blood flow, especially to the hoof. And that's going to be the focus of some uh, future studies that we have. So um been talking to Dr. Van Epps, uh, the expert in all things uh, laminitis, just to uh, you know, uh, just to see if we can work on trying to um, show if we're actually increasing blood flow or distributing perfusion to the foot, especially. No, that's the super yeah. exciting. And I, I was hoping that like the, the hoof aspect was going to come up because I know like I, I talked to so many farriers and like I mean, farriers working on like really high level horses as well. And, like that's always their main complaint, right? Is like that lack of mm -hmm. hoof growth, like the lack of circulation of the hoof. Yeah. So like, no, that's super, super exciting. I'm, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That's going to be our focus for our next set of studies. So yeah, really excited. And then like you mentioned. Perfectly placed question. Yeah, no, I, I finally <laughs> nailed one. I think this is our 34th episode. Finally, <laughs> finally had a good one. Um, and then you mentioned like the treatments can go up to 60 minutes. Can you just touch a little bit on what a typical treatment would be and like how many times a day and, and yeah. like how, what's the setup like and, and that sort of stuff. So our shorter treatments, sometimes even 15 minutes for a warm up or 30 minutes is usually for athletic recovery. Um, and that's based on protocols from the human literature and ones we've worked on um, with our company Vetletics as well. And then the longer treatments are for the active lymphangitis cases. So particularly if they're in a flare, um, and that is, again, based on the human literature where for lymphedema patients, they're actually in the device multiple times a day for longer periods of time. So what we've been working on in the lymphangitis cases is 60-minute um, treatments you know, at least two times a day. If, if, if it can work that they get treated three times a day, um, then we recommend that. And then, you know, then you can taper that off as the leg comes down in size and the horses are improving. And then it becomes a maintenance issue for these chronic lymphangitis horses. Um, so a couple of things that I wanted to say there were, um, once the horse, you know, the, obviously the first time you put it on the device on a horse, we recommend that they're either being held or they're in the cross ties is, is most of the time. But once they're worn it once and everything's good, um, we will let horses just wear it in the stall. So that was one thing that we were really focused on from our design perspective is having this be self-contained on the horse. So again, the pumps are in the saddle pad. All the hoses are, um, there's little clip points for the hoses. So nothing's sticking out uh, or to get caught on things. So our chronic lymphangitis cases, so these were horses that um, contacted us already having lymphangitis most of the time for several years. Um, you know, this, when you have a leg like that, you don't fix it overnight, right? So um, we, we tell, we tell people it usually takes about two to three months to really see results in those very severe chronic lymphangitis cases, but those horses are wearing it in the stall. They have a hay bag or something to keep them occupied um, for their treatments. And we started two to three times a day for that 60 minutes. And the study was 60 minutes, I should have said for the lymphocentigraphy. Um, and, and then, then we can, and then we've had really good results in these horses showing that after that time, um, we can back down to once a day and then just a couple of times a week sort of for maintenance. That's really, really fascinating. And, um, I, I I'm just like so excited by the 
the variety of implications for this device and and all the work that you guys are doing. I'm curious, is is the device commercially available yet? And yes. mm-hmm. if so, where can people uh, learn more about it and and maybe even get one for themselves? Yeah, no, thank you for asking that. Yep, so it is definitely commercially available. Um, if you look on our website, vetletics.com, um, you'll have all the contact information there. Welcome to contact uh, me at any time or uh, Dr. Irina Purdue is our main salesperson, but all the um, the info is on the website there. Um, and, you know, we're hoping we um, have devices at some of the major universities now hoping to get it to, to more too. So if it's a case... Um, you know, for for a, uh, an owner that has a chronic lymphangitis horse, and you just want to try it, um, sometimes you can, you can, you know, that can be an approach to where you go to a university or you go to a veterinarian that already has one and you know just test it out, um, and then and uh, get some info before considering buying one for for yourself as well. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's super exciting. And uh, yeah, I just quickly went over to the Vetletics uh, website. <laughs> Me too. There, uh, <laughs> you're chatting. I was just curious to see what's up. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, really cool to see uh, that it's being used in the field as well. Like it looks like you've got some some top, top riders using it, which is uh, exciting. And uh, I guess just like one maybe quick final question on this topic. Um like the study was done in the four limbs, if I remember correctly, yes. but it, it applies to all four legs. Like is, it, I think, especially in like the the athletic like recovery, and like helping on that front, it probably makes sense to all four legs. Is it something where, if it's a bit more contained, like the lymphedema is a bit more contained, like you would recommend only doing front or only uh, doing the back legs, or sort of what's what's the best protocol there? Yeah, no, another excellent question. Yeah, thank you. So I know that, so the previous lymphocentigraphy papers, which are minimal, there's only a couple, they utilized the forelimbs and they were mostly in draft horses with chronic progressive lymphedema. And that's why we did the forelimbs so that we could base it off the previous papers. Um, But you're absolutely, I mean, most lymphangitis is that we see outside of draft horses are of course of the hind limb. Uh, So So we always recommend, if possible, to treat all four limbs. Um, That's the way, you know, everything is designed that way. So there's the two pumps will get you all four limbs, but there's lots of different ways to configure their device. So there's some chronic lymphangitis horses that just get hind limb treatments. um, So where they wear the hind limb garments and just the saddle pad and the pumps. Athletic recovery, uh, certainly we always recommend all four limbs. all four limbs, not, not four yeah. limbs. Um, but we do have some racehorse clients, which is exciting to actually break into the racehorse world. Cause as you guys know, that's a hard world mm-hmm. to break into or for them to consider new things um, that are kind of concentrated on the four limbs for those racehorses. Uh, so there's the, the great thing is that it can work in all different configurations. You can even do only one leg if you wanted to, but we would always recommend at least the, you know, pair of front limbs or hind limbs. Um, and ideally all four, especially for, you know, hor- sick horses that are in a stall and can't move. It's great to put on all four of the limbs to, to get them better perfusion or, uh, limb flow. And then the same for athletic recovery. Ideally, um, you'd want to do all four. Fantastic. Well, I want to be aware of the time. You've been so generous with us today um, and so fascinating. We'll definitely provide all those links in in the show notes so everybody can check it out and so they know where to find you. Uh, We have one final question that we ask all of our guests. 
Um, and that's if you could talk directly to a horse and they could fully understand you, uh, what would you want them to know? I know I have thought that's a hard question. <laughs> so many things. Um, I guess the, the main thing is, I mean, I feel like if there's anything I've learned over the last 40 years is gaining horses trust, but I would, I guess I would want to tell them, you know, we're really, we're, we want to help you. Um, I think in some of the veterinary things that we do, it's easy for them to, of course, be scared or be worried, uh, especially in the hospital situation. So trust us, we're trying to help you. Um, and yeah, I think that would be the main thing. And just, I guess I would also, uh, you guys know how much I love horses, my own and all, but just that to thank them as well for a great career and, um, and all the, the pleasure that I've gotten out of working with horses and I've learned a ton from them. Always humbling in all regards. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you again. We really appreciate you being here today and uh, we'll, um, hopefully have you back again soon to talk about uh, the continuing research and developments on this really exciting device. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. So yeah, like my hat's off to Lauren and and her team at NC State. Um, Like after we finished recording, I was sort of saying to her, like I, I knew this technology existed on the human side and like it's been around for not so, so long, but it's, no, it's been around a couple of years. And I remember thinking like, wow, it'd be amazing if this could be applied to horses, but I thought just, you know, a number of engineering challenges and uh, technological challenges. I'm not sh- sure it was ever going to get there, but uh, they've they've worked away at this, done an incredible job. And now uh, we'll include a link to that paper so you can go and read it. But um, yeah, it, it looks like they've got a home run here. And it's really exciting to think about all the different applications for this. And uh, I would maybe encourage you to think a little bit about how different situations where improving limb flow in horses could be helpful. So whether it's a horse with lymphedema or uh, maybe if if you're looking at extended travel or a horse uh, recovering after a really intense training session or really intense competition, I think there are so many applications out there. It's really exciting to think about, you know, how this technology could be applied. And it's one of those things where it's I don't think this is something that's going to disappear in five or 10 years. Like this is going to continue to grow and it is going to become more popular and you're going to see it more and more out there. So it's, it's really exciting time to uh, yeah, see a great idea identified on the human side, a great team to develop it in horses. And now it's uh, finally out there in the field. So it's, you know, it, the future is bright. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, being hosts of the Sport Horse podcast, we were definitely really excited to hear that they're continuing, um, you know, the research and and uh, experiments to look into uh, the impact on recovery in sport horses and, um, you know, the impacts that this device can have in those contexts. So we'll definitely uh, keep our eyes out for uh future publications and for more developments on what Dr. Schnabel and her team are working at over at NC State. With that, you can find the links to today's guest and our show notes at www.sporthorsepodcast.com. As always, we would appreciate if you would follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, like us, review us, and share episodes, share your favorite episodes with your friends so that they can find us as well. You can also follow us at Sport Horse Series on Facebook and Instagram. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. 
And here's to keeping your sport horse happy and healthy. 